My name is Keith Beavers, and you can't breathe through your nose with your tongue sticking out. <laughs> See, you probably just tried it. You actually can. I just wanted you to make make you look weird. You look weird. You looked weird. What's going on, wine lovers from the Vine Pair Podcasting Network? This is the Wine One Hundred and One Podcast. My name is Keith Beavers, and I am the Tasting Searcher Vine Pair. Guys, today we're going to get a little deep, deep into the bedrock of the earth. We're going to talk about soil. Finally, we're talking about soil. That's a lot. That's a, let's get into it. It's a lot. It's a long way from the U.S. To New Zealand. Am I right? Luckily, Whitehaven brings Marlborough to us in the form of undeniably aromatic, racy with acidity Sauvignon Blanc. It's absolutely a style of Sauvignon Blanc that we've fallen in love with here stateside, and Whitehaven shows that style in spades. Okay, let me get this out. I am not a scientist, nor Am I a geologist? But I have been, as a wine nerd, geek, whatever you want to call it, obsessed person, have been obsessed with soil. (laughs) I, I love it. I don't talk about it much on the podcast because to get into soil with an individual episode is just like too much. So what I wanted to do was have an episode dedicated to the thing so that we can just understand it. It's, it's generalness, why it's important and what makes it up and why people consider it so important in growing vines for, for wine. The Jedi wine master of wine, Jancis Robinson in the Oxford wine companion defines soil as this mineral material at the earth's surface formed by weathering of underlying bedrock or transported sediments, which form the parent material of soil. So you have a rock and that rock, you know, it's solid, but then rain happens. Rain has acid in it. That acid starts to break down the rock And then as the rock is broken into little fissures, organic material gets into the rock, which further breaks the rock. And then eventually that rock is broken up into many, many pieces. And then that happens over and over and over again. As these rocks are broken down further into cobbles, further into pebbles, and then further into sand, silt, and clay. This stuff through gravity starts falling down the slopes of mountains and hills. It's called colluvium. And then as all that stuff gets into the rivers and the valleys, the rivers aren't always going in one direction all the time. They move over time. And as they move, these fans of soil are displaced and left left behind. This is called alluvium. So colluvium and alluvium, this when you hear alluvial soil, that makes sense. And all this fragmented stuff is composed of minerals. There are silicates like quartz, 
iron, calcium. Speaking of calcium, there are non-silicate minerals like calcium carbonate. And speaking of carbonate, carbon creates the mineral graphite, which gives us shale and sulfur in volcanic areas. And the famous non-silicate compound called hematite, which you probably don't know about, but what you do know about is what it's responsible for, which is that red color that is called terra rosa. Then there's clay, the fine grain-sized soil, the flaky silicate, the material that is extremely varied and extremely intricate, but everywhere. Clay is super important for the health of soil because of its CEC or cation exchange capacity, which is the amount of positively charged atoms a soil can hold. And I know that sounds really sciencey, but it's a, it's a big deal to the degree in which the soil nutrients are available to the vine because these nutrients interact with the ions so that the vine can take up the said nutrients. In general, a soil filled with nutrients is considered fertile. And for wine, that's not good. We don't want crazy fertile soil. What's more important than high nutrient soil for vines is the minerality in the soil because of the minerals that are in the actual comp soil mix. The amount of organic matter in the soil, which we'll talk about, all those awesome worms aerating the soil, bring oxygen so that everything can live, and the soil's pH, or the soil acidity. Nitrogen, potassium, to a lesser degree, phosphorus, these are nutrients that the vine needs to thrive. Nitrogen helps it grow, gives it vigor, and potassium helps the, the grape itself produce sugar and actually ripen. And the soil acidity is important because it defines the speed at which organic matter is decomposed that will then release nitrogen into the situation. An extreme example is that if a soil is less than 5 pH, it's highly acidic. And the clay in the soil begins to decompose and release aluminum, which can actually inhibit vine growth. But in alkaline soils, the opposite of acidic soils, the, the soil actually has less of things like iron, magnesium, and copper, and zinc, and things that the vine does need in small amounts. These are called micronutrients. And back in the day... Before technology was a thing, you had to diagnose all that by looking at the vine itself. That's crazy. So you have all this mix going on, but you still can't forget the rocks. Because in the beginning, I was like, rocks break down, become soil. But there's still rocks everywhere. And not all of them have been penetrated with the, with the, the acid yet of the rain, you know? You have igneous rock, or I should say plutonic igneous rock, which is basically the result of the cooling of melted lava, lava starts to rise to the top of the earth. And as it rises up, it begins to cool. And as it cools, it forms into, well, granite is actually the most widespread 
uh, plutonic igneous rock you would see in vineyards, but also form something called basalt, which you see a lot in Washington state. And when they cool, they cool and erosion happens. And then they, then they eventually outcrop. That's how that, that's how you see it. Then you have sedimentary rock, which, you know, in the beginning we talked about this stuff just flying all over the place, downhills, you know, across rivers and, and all that. Well, sometimes they stay in one place for a long, long period of time and they end up like adhering together. If you've heard of sandstone or claystone, sometimes called mudstone, these are all sedimentary rocks. And you may have heard of the word shale when people talk about vineyards. Well, that's a type of mudstone. Then there's the result of an accumulation of dead organisms in warm, shallow seawater made up of calcite, which precipitates calcium carbonate and is hardened. This creates a chalky-like soil, sedimentary soil, that we all know as limestone. Has a lot of magnesium in it, another good nutrient for vines. Speaking of calcite, anything that's formed from calcite can be considered calcareous. So when you hear calcareous soils, there it is. Then you have metamorphic rock, which is rocks that are really deep underground and they experience a ton of earthly-like pressure. And with heating and cooling in the earth, they expand and they contract. And eventually they'll rise up through the earth and they'll crack on these really sharp planes. And that's what we call slate. If slate breaks open and there's minerals in the slate, that's called schist. And if there are a, if there's a secondary plane or another plane of minerals that are visible and those minerals are different than the other minerals, that's called nice. And soil color, depending on the color, will affect the thermal and ultraviolet radiation behavior of the soil, which in turn will affect vine performance. So what does all this mean? All these layers, all this material in different forms and proportions throughout the planet. What it means and the most important aspect of all of this, the characteristics of soil, is that they govern the supply of water so the vine can grow and thrive. What soil does is, depending on where you're planting, what you're planting, that soil needs to take in water, but not too much, but enough so the roots can actually take up the nutrients. Too much water and it can drown the roots. And sometimes there are soils like clay that, or there's clay in everything, but large amounts of clay can expand and the pores can clam up and it can hold water too much and you can drown your soils. But if there's just a little bit amount of clay, it has just as much expansion and contraction that it can hold water and release it at the right time so the, the vine's roots can actually get nutrients. So that's what soil is. Everything about soil is about drainage, water retention, and nutrient uptake. You have good drainage in your soil, that's great, but you need something else in the soil to help retain the soil. You have a lot of sand in your soil. Sand has a very low CEC, a very low cation exchange capacity, which means that it's good to have a little bit of clay in there to help that along. And what you're trying to do is get oxygen into the soil as well because 
oxygen is like 46% of our planet and all the amazing organic material and all of the amazing little insects and animals in the soil that help aerate it naturally and get oxygen in there, they need those ions to get everything going. When organic material breaks down and turns into nitrogen, it needs to get into the actual root system. But this is how crazy it is. If you have too much nitrogen in your soil, your vines grow too fast and you're not going to make great wine. If you don't have enough nitrogen in your soil, it's not going to, it's going to be deficient. It's not going to grow the vigor that you want. If you don't have enough potassium in your soil, the vines won't, the grapes won't produce the kind of sugar you want. But if you don't have enough potassium in the soil, the opposite will happen. It's a very fine line. And I know we talk a lot in, the, in wine about old world versus new world. And the traditional, you know, idea behind these terms is to differentiate European wine from the rest of the world. But also, it's a historical sort of divide over soil. The French call it terroir. Traditionally in Europe, the more fertile lands were used for survival stuff. Grains, cereals, you know, food for them, for humans to live and for livestock to eat and live. And because humans also realized at a certain point that the vine is a survivalist, that it did well in poor soils, they would put those vines on hillsides. That's kind of, I mean, that's a general statement, but that's kind of how it all began. In the New World, which is everything outside of Europe, there was more land than anyone needed. So there was no reserve for hillsides. There were, there were vines planted on hillsides, valleys, you name it. And because places like the United States is famous for a heavy amount of blending that through across many different um, you know climates and soil compositions, that especially in the U.S. we kind of didn't think soil was a big deal. We thought it was all about climate, but as we evolved and started thinking more about single vineyard wines, which is a fairly in our history is fairly new. Um, these, this idea of terroir, the sense of place the French came up with, well, we love that idea as well nowadays. So for us, it's very important for us to understand the soils, especially in the United States, because compared to Europe, we're new. We're still learning. We're evolving. But now that we see it, and it's something that we, we, we crave, consumers even, single vineyard wine, everybody wants a single vineyard wine. Everybody wants to know what vineyard this came from. What's the blend? Is that vineyard than that vineyard? We all want to know that because it's it's exciting stuff. Because wine is so expressive in this kind of mindset. And what's great is these days we have technology that helps us out. So in Europe, vines were you know planted from history. You know now it's different, but they're planted on the sides of hills because the soil was poor and all that. Now we have technology so that. Before we even plant vines, we can check the soil. We have precision viticulture now. We have soil mapping, which is an amazing thing. We have GPS. We have all these different ways to test soil, not just the soil, whether it's acidic or not. We've been had that, that, that's been around for a long time. But I was in a, I can't remember where I was. I think it was in Monterey, where this winemaker had a soil mapping pipe technology thing. I don't know what it's called, but that doesn't matter. What matters is he could plunge this pole into the earth 
and it would send out signals through the earth that would create an actual visual map of the soil within the range of that pole's ability to whatever pulse out. And that there was used to make sure that the vines they planted would thrive and the type of varieties they chose would thrive. That's incredible. That ensures, it doesn't ensure, because nothing's nature is crazy, but it gives us a really good leg up into making better wine. And climate is extremely important because it affects everything, including soil. But these days, science believes that the physical characteristics of soil are the main influence over grape and wine quality other than climate. Again, we're not completely deleting climate. It's important. But those physical characteristics of soil that govern the water supply to the vine are so important. And that's the soil. So in general, in wine, the best wines often come from soils that are very well-drained and have a steady, moderate water supply to the vines. Steady and moderate, not too much, not too little. It's like a Goldilocks moment. This, in combination with the right nutrients and the right amount of nutrients, basically restrictive nutrients, meaning like the nutrients are given to the soil, we want the vine to stress a little bit, but not a lot, because we want the vine to be healthy, but we want the vine to also be restrained. Restrained vines result in smaller leaf growth, which gives more sun to the bunches and the canes, and also smaller, tighter berries, which not only have more concentration of flavor, but the smaller the berry, the less likely it is to split open and be susceptible to any kind of disease or bacteria. Again, that is not guaranteed, but this is the function. It's basically water stress, but that just sounds so mean. <laughs> well, guys, that is my interpretation of soil and vines and vineyards and wine. I hope you have some clarity on how this stuff works. It is a, I mean, I could do an entire podcast just called Soil. And talk about every day something. I can, I can split everything I've talked about. I can split up into multiple episodes. It's absolutely insane. That's basically a geology curriculum, which I'm not a geologist, but I love this stuff because this is how good wine is made. These are how happy, healthy vines are grown. And we're so much better at it now than we were because we listen to the soil. We look at it. We make decisions based on the soil, not trends, not fads. Ugh. And once these vines start to grow, they have to be trained. Oh, that's next week. See you guys then. Vine Pair Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pair. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pair, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. 
And I want to thank the entire Vine Pair staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week. E&J Gallo Winery is excited to sponsor this episode of Vine Pair's Wine 101. Gallo always welcomes new friends to wine with an amazing wide spectrum of favorites ranging from everyday to luxury and sparkling wine. Gallo also makes award-winning spirits, but this is a wine podcast. Whether you are new to wine or an aficionado, Gallo welcomes you to wine. Visit thebarrelroom.com today to find your next favorite, where shipping is available.